Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Valkyrie cast. This is episode 34, and we are so thankful that you are here with us. As always, I have my co-host and my brother and my dear friend, Matt. Hey, that's me. Welcome to the show, everybody. Glad to be here. It's a good week. And a brother from another mother, you would maybe say. Another friend among friends and the bearded wonder himself, Tommy Davis. What's up? Yeah. So we're excited about being back. We are talking a quiet place uh, today. And uh, we have all just recently seen it. It's been out for a little bit, but I think we all... Oh, well, you're, you're going to find out what we think here in a minute. But uh, to, needless to say, this is not my kind of movies. So uh, I was a little hesitant to go see it, but I did it. I did it mostly because Tommy wanted me to do it. So I just He was scared. Also, yeah. Tommy held the podcast hostage by saying he wasn't going to talk about <laughs> Infinity War unless we talked about this. Yeah, so. which is true. It's fair. <laughs> it's a phenomenal movie. Like, I'll just go ahead and say that. At least that's my thought. Like, that's not going to take much away. We'll get into it. Before we do, though... Matt, you, you have some news for us, don't you? I do have some news. Some really exciting stuff has um, been popping up the last week or so. Um, the first thing I want to touch on, uh, we've got news about the Amazon Lord of the Rings television show. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, um, but there wasn't really any details other than we knew that Amazon had got the rights um, and was working with the Tolkien estate. Um, we now have a report that... The series is expected to have a budget of, are you ready for this? I'm ready. $1 billion. Dang. This kind of reminds me. It is going to be the most expensive television series in history. Well, it is is based on one of the best books in history, so. That's true. So, it's going to have the biggest budget, uh... It you know Amazon won out the rights. Only a quarter of that is just getting the rights. They they paid two hundred and fifty million um, to beat out Netflix and some of these other companies for the rights. And as part of that, um, under the conditions that it's gonna it's got to have five seasons, um, and it has to start production within the next two years. Um, so it'll be coming pretty soon. We know we're gonna get a full run of it, and it's gonna have a crazy crazy budget. Um, there have been rumors flying around that, um, oh, I'm spacing on his name. The director of the movies. I can't think of his name. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. There's rumors that Peter Jackson may be involved in some way, um, but no. I haven't seen anything concrete. <laughs> uh, but that, that's led a lot of people to wondering if they are going to connect it to the movies. Um, I don't see a problem with that because this is going to be taking place. This is a prequel. So there's going to be stories happening before the events of the movie. And I heard somebody say like it, why wouldn't they? Because they have all these crazy sets and you know, yeah, you just got warehouses of armor and swords. Why not use them? And they look yeah. cool. Exactly. Oh, so. uh, by sets, you mean they have a couple uh, rooms with green screens on them. <laughs> That's all you need. Well, well, I mean, yeah, for The Hobbit, but I mean... It's all Peter Jackson needs, evidently. <laughs> now. The fall from grace of he Jackson. He did it right the first hey, time. Hey, interestingly enough, talking about this as well, there's a new book coming out from Tolkien called The Fall of Gondolin. Yes, uh, his son. Yeah, his, his son. son. Christopher Tolkien, I think Yeah, and it, it, it's a story that it is Christopher Tolkien, and Christopher Tolkien for years has been editing his father's unfinished stories into finished products, but this was a story that's found in the Smurillion, um, but it's a little bit more poetic in that, and this has been turned into a narrative form. So there's some speculation that's coming out later this year, maybe towards the end of this year, um, and there's some speculation that maybe that's where we're going to be picking up 
it and maybe that's why the book's coming out because Christopher Tolkien was pretty clear that he was not doing anything else when he finished uh, his last book. Um, and if it is, it'd be really interesting because the main character in there is the grandfather of Elrond, and, which means he's like the great-grandfather of Aragorn through marriage. So that's kind of interesting um, to tie that back in. So I'm very... I love Lord of the Rings, so I'm excited to see this. I also think it's really interesting that, you know, next year we're going to wrap up Game of Thrones, and there's going to be... If, yeah. if, if Amazon's smart, they'll launch it somewhere after that like when the next season when, when game of thrones would have come back on the next year or something if they'd launch it about that time where appetite's high for it and people are missing their uh, fantasy you know fix with game of thrones to be able to plug in something like that would i think be really beneficial so hmm. i agree i think that would be wise um so it's exciting to get some news about that and i'm sure more will come out um i wouldn't be surprised with a budget as ba- big as that is if amazon hits the ground running soon with that um i mean we know it's going to begin in the next two years but i wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year we're already hearing them preparing and getting stuff set up for that so exciting lord of the rings news i'm pumped love that series love to see what they what they're doing um news that came out just like today as the point of we're recording this is Spielberg is tackling a DC comic movie, guys. He is producing Black Hawk. Now, Black Hawk is basically a comic from uh, the civil, like uh, World War II era. Um, basically, they're fighter pilots, but it's it was a very very popular comic back in the 40s through the 60s. In fact, I was reading that it outsold Superman consistently for a while there. Um, really cool stories. Um, I don't know a ton about Black Hawk outside of when they've randomly appeared in like the Justice League cartoon here or there. Um, but I like the idea and it seems like something that could be really, really cool. And I'm excited to see what Spielberg could do with it. Um, there's no news whether he'll direct it right now. He's just producing it and his production company is the one doing it. Um, so we may, we'll, I'm sure we'll get more news on that coming soon. But Spielberg's next big project is going to be Black Hawk, which is a DC property. So from World War II, and it's going to be pretty cool. And I'm excited for that. So I thought I'd share that with you guys. Any thoughts on that? The only thing I knew about Black Hawks is Black Hawk Island because it shows up in like the animated Justice League show that I mm-hmm. watched when I was a kid. That's like the only thing I know about it. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly in the old Justice League animated cartoon, they show up twice. They show up and there's an episode where uh, the bad guys go back in time and change history. They bring tech back to World War II and Germany starts winning the war. And they the, the Justice League go back in time and try to stop it. And they run into the Blackhawks fighting the Germans and stuff in that. And then there's an episode that's in the present where the only remaining Black Hawk member is alive is working with the justice league because, uh, there's the villains go and raid Black Hawk Island, which was their like base of operation for like weapons and stuff. So they go and fight them for there. So I think it'll be a unique property and I'm curious to see how they'll approach it. Um, but right now that's about the only information we have from it. Um, but yeah, we're, I, I it's worth checking out because I, I didn't know that I knew it was popular back in the day, 
because that's that's I mean those are the kind of comics that were really popular right after World War II. Um, but it was interesting to see that it like outsold Superman, and it was also one of the few comics from like the 40s until the 60s that was consistently made weekly alongside Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So these guys were big players back in the day so it'll be cool to see them brought to the big screen whether or not that's in world war ii or not which i assume that's probably what it will be wonder woman did really well by doing like world war one so it wouldn't surprise me if we see this happening during world war ii in the dc universe so yeah Should be any other thoughts on that seems like spielberg is just doing what he wants to nowadays. These don't seem like typical Spielberg. Like, at least Spielberg in the last Oscar bait-iness that he's been in for a while. It doesn't seem like it's as much that. It seems a little bit I more fun what he used to be. I agree. I kind of hope he directs it, but it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he'd get somebody and he just works along with them to do it. Um, so then the last bit of news I have is there's a new God of War game coming out. I think this week, actually. I think it comes out Friday, Thursday or Friday. And um, most of us, Tommy's played a lot of PlayStation games, but me and Drew basically have been Xbox since X, the last-gen consoles. Um, and I've played God of War, and they're always fun. They're like crazy hack-and-slash high-action games, but they've never been anything super crazy to me outside of that. However, I have been searching on Greg's list because I kind of want to buy a like a cheap PlayStation Two, PlayStation Four, not PlayStation Two. You can find a PS Two for real cheap, <laughs> I Matt. A, I can buy a cheap PlayStation Two, <laughs> but try to find a PlayStation Four because I kind of want to play this game because it is getting really good reviews. In fact, Matt. IGN and Polygon both gave it a ten out of ten. And I I'll always take I always take the bigger companies uh, for a grain of salt, you know, because sometimes they're right on with their reviews and sometimes they're not. But it's very rare for these bigger companies to give a perfect score to a game. The last one I remember was they gave Mario Odyssey a 10 out of 10, which I completely agreed with. Um, So for both of these really big companies to be giving it a perfect score, and some of the videos I've watched on it really makes me want to try this game out. And so, Well, to give you context, Metacritic has it sitting at 95 right now across the board. That's every review that's in so far. That's really high for Mm -hmm. Metacritic. The one thing, because it's it's a change of pace. It's not like the traditional God of War, where it's it's just it's, you know, God of War and like Devil May Cry were kind of the kings of the like, not quite top down, but kind of camera back and you just fighting mobs of bosses. This is a more of a third person over the shoulder type of game. And one of the things that I'm fascinated by is I watched a video, and the entire game never changes camera angles. It starts from one shot. And there's no cuts, there's no cutscenes. The entire game is one consistent take. And apparently it's like really, really good. And it's like an amazing story and like completely reinvents the character. And uh so yeah, I'm I'm I know my friends are like some of my PlayStation friends are like super pumped about it. I'm probably gonna go over to their house and watch them play some this weekend. So maybe next week when we talk I'll have be able to give another opinion on it but i mean there's that if you want to buy the game i'll loan you uh my ps4 man just, i haven't had time what a to, friend to, and to give context that. the first 30 reviews it's only critic reviews right now because it's not out are all 100s 
And then everything after that is like 98. I'm trying to look at the lowest score that they someone's given it. Somebody gave it one, two, three, four, five places gave it an 80. But I've never heard of I've never heard of the new game network or Twin Infinity. <laughs> so I don't know who these guys are. Um, <clears throat> it looks interesting. I'm interested by it because mostly because I think Greek mythologies fascinating mythology in general fascinates me but norse mythology especially is really interesting and that's like the whole premise of the game is that kratos right. this, he who was like the god of war and uh the greek pantheon at one point is now like wandering into the norse god's land and that's really interesting i uh yeah because he killed all the other greek yeah. gods there's no more greek gods there's only the norse and that's how rome fell <laughs> because of kratos so yeah so crazy to me that they've got such high reviews um so i mean i actually may take you up on that tommy i'll let you know um because i also want to play spider-man when it comes out later this year because i like well, I, i'm gonna say i'm i'm <laughs> going to get it back from you by spider-man launch oh yeah no no i'm not gonna keep it forever i was just i was just saying that's another oh, no, i'm game. just saying mm-hmm because I might, I might just forget. Like it's been a while since I've even kicked it on, and so it might be a point where, you know, you you might get comfortable. I'm <laughs> telling you, you it. <laughs> I will rip that rug out from underneath <laughs> your feet the moment Spider-Man hits the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and I fully would expect you to. Um, so yeah, that's that's all the news I've got. Uh, there's been other things popping around, but those are the things that really stuck out to me that I thought were worth sharing um well uh speaking of things with fantastic reviews let's go on to a quiet place yeah the movie we all saw which ironically i think we all saw it the same day um i just happened to see it for a second time in a different theater than when you guys saw it let me tell you a funny story about this tommy because i knew you we were wanting to talk about this but i hadn't found time to watch it until last night and like we were at dinner me and my wife and i'm like hey do you want to be real you know spur of the moment and just go see a quiet place and we both this these are not the kind of <laughs> films we go see guys like we're not really scary movie people um i'm not either i, I know you're not and i was like i gotta do it for jim for jim and tommy <laughs> um and uh, but i've got to say it, it was I, I it had it, it felt like it shaved years off my life watching it and i couldn't eat the popcorn because it felt like it was making too much noise but past that it was it's a it was really really good i'm glad I, i'm glad i went to see it i'm glad i pushed back my fears it was like fear mixed with excitement to actually go sit down and watch it and there were only like four people in the theater with me uh which i i don't know if that was good or bad I, if it would have been completely empty i don't know if i could have done it if it had been just me and angela um but we pushed we pushed through and it was worth it it was it was good mm-hmm. i um i almost overhyped it for myself to we saw it opening weekend i didn't get to go opening day because we had something going on um but i remember at first being like uh like i don't i don't do scary movies i have an active imagination and um yeah i was like can i go sit in this movie and then i was like oh it's pg-13 i'm totally good i got this 
And uh, and initially the first day, Rebecca's like, uh, "I'm gonna veto this. You are leaving to go out of town for two <laughs> days. I am not watching this, and then staying home alone." <laughs> I could see for that. two days. Uh, but the very first thing we did when I got back was we went and saw it. And uh, first time I saw it, we had a I don't want to say a packed theater, um, because we we have found like the perfect times to go without. Uh, I don't like crowds. I just I don't I don't find as much enjoyment most of the time sitting in a theater that is shoulder to shoulder with a fat guy who hasn't showered in a couple days. Um, but you know, there's definitely more than six or seven people. There's probably a good hundred in there, and uh, yeah, that's a few more than six was, or seven. Yeah, just a little. Yeah. Just a little. Uh, and I I bought popcorn and candy and everything, and I was like. No, because nobody talked about the silence at this point. Nobody told me it was going to be awkward. And so you could hear all 100 people, like, the the bags in hand going, when is it going to get loud where I can munch on this and not be that guy? Uh, I could tell you this. By the second showing, I was that guy. I was like, I'm going to be obnoxious. It's funny. Like, I read an article John Krasinski was talking about how, like, that's how it happened, like, every every uh, like he's seen it it just happens he's like i didn't mean for like that to happen but it was like i could not eat popcorn like you know how popcorn like is louder in your head that was more for me it was just like freaking myself out i'm like i can't i can't eat this or or that poor girl is gonna get killed that's what i felt like (laughs) i purposely didn't buy any snacks i bought a uh and coke icy and even that like it's lighting up the straw i could hear it really loud (laughs) but like i knew it was gonna be really quiet because i had heard the people who've seen it talk about that how like the i was glad i saw it monday because there were six other people in the theater me and my friend landon saw it and except for these two girls came in like in the middle of the opening sequence and they were like talking normal volume and it sounded like they were yelling at the beginning and I've never in the theater start wanted to like get up and like yell at somebody, but I was like so close to getting up and being like, "Do you not know what this movie is? Please shut up!" But then they shut up once like <laughs> that first opening sequence got to like the crazy part, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you ain't gonna talk the rest of the movie, I bet." But the weirdest part was it was so quiet that like you could hear the air condition. Oh yeah. And so in our theater, the air condition when it would turn on it made this like this like powering up sound and i thought it was a sound effect like i thought it was the movie cuz it did this whole and then i was like what is this and then i heard i was like ah it's air conditioning that's so weird that i can hear that i don't like it but i was very thankful that i saw it with only a few people because everybody in that theater um everybody in that theater was perfect and, and i think it made it for a better viewing experience for me at least and um see i think that's interesting because it was almost the exact opposite for me when there was more people in the theater it was actually quieter hmm. um, because everybody was really afraid of disturbing everyone that. else um and when there was only six i think there's maybe seven people when we saw it yesterday or the other day and um people were just a little bit more lax they're like ah nobody can hear me it's like no everyone <laughs> yes, can hear you we can hear you uh, I think my favorite thing, though, the first time we watched it, there is a a just super tense moment in the film. The soundtrack fades out. They're building up tension. And then Peter Rabbit in the next 
theater over it's got real wild starts blaring yeah. and it was the that happened best. that happened to us as well i'm pretty sure that um i'm pretty sure cock blockers was playing next door and like it was like a super like tense and I, it's so interesting because you know theaters are not usually quiet like like the absence of sound like i know we talked back when we were watching the uh the last jedi talking about that pivotal scene where they fly the ship through the star destroyer and like the absence of sound and how that made it powerful at that moment i felt like this film did a great job of communicating stuff without ever using a ton of sound but it also made me realize like how loud other movie theaters around you are when there's no sound in yours Mm-hmm. Well, and I thought what was cool too is uh, we went and saw um, the second time we saw it with my little sister and her husband, um, and they came out. They're like, "Man, at the you know, at this scene, it was just so loud." And I, and I told them, "I was like, look, no, like it's loud in perspective. Mm-hmm. The noises that we heard aren't typically yeah. what we would consider to be loud in other movies. It's just that this movie is so quiet and you're so focused, and everyone you could hear a pin drop." And so when something does happen, it amplifies it. And I think I got to give hats off to John Krasinski and the whole crew. I think they personally, I think they killed it with this one. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like because there was actually more. I was surprised there was music in it. And I've heard and I don't know if this was just somebody talking or if this is something they've actually talked about doing. But I've heard that they've talked about releasing a cut where it's only ambient sound. Like it's only, I'd love that. They take the music completely out. And I think that would have even made it a more, even more powerful movie. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely a unique experience. And, uh, that whole idea and premise, I do think definitely worked and paid off in a unique way. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Guys, let me ask you, because I, I feel like this movie is, is pretty spoiler-heavy. Like, anything we're going to talk about from this point on is going to be pretty spoilery. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts before we dive into that, just to let our listeners heads up if they've, for some reason, listened this far into the movie without or the podcast without seeing the movie yet? Uh, the only thing I can say is, because people are about to tune off here, um, even if it's outside your norm, uh, go wear some brown pants and uh, and go see this film. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's worth it. It's worth it. Like honestly, it it is worth every. Aching yeah, moment. and to to add that, I agree with Tommy. Like this is outside of my realm of regularly what I like to go see, and it was great. It was it was great to get out of my comfort zone in some ways, but I also would like to say that I feel like this leans more towards a thriller suspense than like a horror movie at least what i think a horror movie in my head is like it it, it, agree. it wasn't it wasn't super gory um which i know some people that turns off so just i mean i mean it wasn't super gory and like it was scary at some points but it, I, it was much more suspense than it was just like terrifying i guess uh i mean i like to think that this is what everyone in the 70s and 80s felt like going to see alien for the first time to me this is a sci-fi horror and it goes back to that genre because it's not a thrasher it's not i mean it's a creature feature that's what this is is. this is a a a sci-fi creature feature um that happens and honestly i think the the poster is a little misleading 
deceiving. Yeah, because it uh, it looks more like it's going to be like The Conjuring, which don't get me wrong, was for a horror film, still a great horror film, but these do not exist on the same plane. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's worth agree. seeing. All right. I think I think the one thing we should mention before uh, getting into spoilers is we've talked about how sound was so impactful the basic premise of the movie without giving anything away based on trailers and just if you're trying to describe it as something is there's this family living in a world and they're having to not make sound for some reason they're having to survive you can they're being hunted yes they're being hunted by something that hunt well that's the tag Mm -hmm. of the entire film if they hear you they hunt you right and that's a great right that's a good way to sum it up like that's the reality that they they live in right (laughs) but i feel like for for the people who are about to tune out because they haven't seen it that that's important to clarify because without knowing that what we've been talking about so far may not make any sense and knowing that you can go, okay, I can see. So sound plays a big part. So there's probably a lot of quiet moments in these movies. And we'll get dive into more of that here in a second. Um, but I, I agree with what y'all are saying. I don't think I would throw this into a horror. I think this is more suspense and thriller. I, I think Tommy comparing it to the original Alien is a great comparison. Um, I would say I would put this on the same category as like the Cloverfield movies. like in, in, But in better? The, where... But better. In fact, I read apparently this almost was a Cloverfield movie, which I yeah. think could have totally fit in that vibe. Um, it works fine on its own. It works perfectly good on its own. But I did read that when they finished 10 Cloverfield Lane, this was kind of when it, this was originally floating around and there was talks about it being a Cloverfield but movie. I'm really glad it wasn't just because for uh, the the fame or, or the notoriety that I think Krasinski and Emily Blunt and and their crew will get out of this being kind of out of left field. Um, If it was successful under the Cloverfield tag, it would be really easy for someone to try and attribute that success to Cloverfield. And this being its own thing, um, you can't, you know, prop it up to anything other than just great craftsmanship. Yeah, and I'd I'd agree with that. That's good because the cinematography, I thought, in this film and and the craftsmanship was really well done. Like, it was it was beautiful, um, mm-hmm. which definitely me- needs to give props to the people who made the film more than a you know well it's a name brand of something that someone else has already done some and has like this reputation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's dive into our spoiler talk. So from here on, we can talk about whatever we want, not worrying about spoilers, and let's begin talking about a quiet place with full spoilers. Go. All right, let's just start off. The kid at the beginning. Anybody oh see? Th- anybody see that coming? Because because so Drew didn't. Drew really didn't. Uh, so that was the that was. I tried so hard to keep away from spoilers. That is the one moment in this film that got spoiled for no. me. But I have to say, even knowing what was happening, the first time I was in that theater, I was still terrified. It was still this this like the tension was there regardless of knowing the outcome. I. Because in the trailer, in like the original trailer, we see that scene of the kid, the the youngest kid making noise. Who's four years old? Four year old. The, the super cute. The, the dad sprinting full sprint, trying to get to him, and l- glancing over into the woods and seeing something moving in the woods, and like I fully expected. 
I don't know why. I fully expected him to save the kid. So when the monster comes off screen, takes the kid off the other screen super quickly, I literally, my jaw dropped and I, me and Landon looked at each other and I just went, they just did that. Holy crap. Yeah. This, they are not holding back in this movie. And because of that opening sequence, which beautifully established so much from so just little words, being Gosh. so quiet to establishing the, the oldest daughter being uh, deaf and when it switches to her perspective, losing all the ambient sound and how, how awesome that is and to, to, to help us understand of, oh, she can't hear at all. It's not like the other ones who are trying to be quiet. She just can't hear. Like It established so much that when that happened to me, it established, yeah, no one's safe in this. Like, you you think maybe the kids are going to survive this, but, like, here in the very opening sequence, like, th- there's just as good of a chance that some these kids are going to die as anything else. And I, I was in. I was fully engaged from that moment on. And just, like, I can't think of another movie that had an opening sequence that explained and just set the stakes so high in such a good good way. I mean, I know there's stuff, but it was incredible. It was so little words. Mm-hmm. I mean, but think about it, though. Like, we got so much information, and the entire movie has maybe a page and a half of dialogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was... I thought so. A few things about that opening thing. First off, the the ending of that scene, that open the int- and I think the actual title crawl. Go, I think it goes a quiet place as soon as that yeah. happens, which I thought was brilliant. But <clears throat> that setup was just brilliant. Um, the fact that this little boy is 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 such a believable four year old and just wanting to get a toy, and then his sister has to dive down to get it. Like Matt just said, the use of cutting all ambient to kind of understand that she's deaf. And then the the one thing that I thought was brilliant and I loved, and it just shows how great the acting was, was the moment the little boy brings the rocket ship to them. And and you don't see what it is in his hand at the moment, but you see the mom, dad, the older brother, and the sister just almost like like horror, terror in the mind. Like he's holding a bomb. Um and and having to like and then seeing what it was and realizing this world is just completely dangerous from things that would never be dangerous to us at that moment i realized that me and angela would die because our dog is too loud <laughs> because yeah. obi would have gotten me and her killed like that's just the oh, reality absolutely. of it mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and it was interesting i think it also showed like that these kids were younger but like the youngest kid is just being a kid because in the opening he's running around he's not making a lot of noise but he's running around just playing while the other ones are all like super aware of what's going on and just showing that like this kid just doesn't get it he 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 is still an oblivious kid who just is wanting to be a kid and doesn't understand why we're not talking so when it happens like He's just being a kid, and I honestly think that was the moment that probably for the other two kids, probably, I mean, it's it's apparent by the other son that, like, he is just distraught by everything that has to do with these creatures, which, if you had experienced that, that's exactly how you would be, but, like, I thought it was interesting that, like, a simple mistake of just a kid just being a kid, not, not fully, not being old enough to grasp why they're having to do what they have to do i thought was interesting yeah so we've talked a lot about 
what we like. And I mean, we haven't really gotten into details about uh, like what we love about it. But before we just sit here and talk about how amazing this film is for an hour, uh, let's open it up with what are the things that you guys did not like? I'll I'll go first because I like this film. I love the premise and I thought the execution of a lot of it was brilliant. But to me, the film falls apart for me in the third act. And the ending of the film was not nearly as strong as what's set up to me. And I haven't quite been able to figure out exactly why that is. But somewhere around the point when things really start picking up, um, it, it just didn't seem as, as strong of a film for me. And like, And it could go to the whole idea of like, even going back to like looking at Alien, like one of the things that made the original Alien so scary is you don't ever fully see the the Alien for a long, long time. You just see glimpses of it, and I think that's that was to me much stronger in the first two thirds of the movie, where we only see the Alien in like shadows and moving through things. We never get a full look at it, and um, I don't know. There were some things like that just didn't didn't do as good for me um one and this is this is a little nitpicking but like homegirl gave birth to that baby super fast like <laughs> i fully expected her to be dead when when and then when he finds the bloody bathtub and she's just in the and she's moved to the like the shower and she's got the baby and i'm like there ain't no way that baby's not screaming its head off right now like and I mean, I can suspend my disbelief to an extent because I mean, I don't have a kid, and I, but I've been around kids and babies of that size, and like, they they scream a lot, like that's kind of what they do around that time, and so like that to me, I don't know, like I love the whole idea that her being pregnant and them having a kid, and the idea that babies cry a lot is creating this extreme situation that they're trying to work through and i appreciated that but like i don't know it, i just didn't buy it as much once like the baby was born how like and i understand life or death situations but like she just she just gave birth and like went through a traumatic experience and she's still like doing all kinds of things like it's no big deal and so she's that, got that to, pulled, man she's a mom and i get that moms are and tough I get that and i get that but like some of that pulled me out um i feel like I feel like towards the end when the main, the dad, you know, ends up having to sacrifice himself, the whole, and I understand that the, the monster's really close and they can like open up their hearing to hear even smaller sounds, but like the whole movie, they've been able to slowly avoid them and sneak around. I don't know why they like ran the trunk and I don't know why he swung at the monster if they've been able to avoid them, if they've just be quiet. So that, that was a little, and I mean, it brings us a, a, a beautiful touching moment when he does end up sacrificing himself. But I was just thinking like, does, is that how this had to go down? Could this not have gone down a different way? Like, and, and that may be me just nitpicking, but that those are some of the elements towards the end of the movie that I didn't feel as were strong. And also the ending just like, what the crap like the whole shotgun <laughs> like you didn't you weren't out for the uh, open ending uh, i'm fine with the open ending it's just the like it felt it felt so much more out of place of like the camera panning up to her and her going and then the credits 
I was just like, okay, that felt like diehardy to me. Like it didn't fit to me. Like I get it. That's that's what I would have. What logical is the next step? Is like aliens are coming. They kind of figured out something they could do to stop them. They're gonna fight back. But just like that whole action just felt so out of place to me. And I could be completely wrong. But like to me, like I think I would have liked it better. If like the camera just panned slowly from the top stairs and they were standing, she was standing at the bottom of the stairs holding the shotgun or something instead of doing the like action hero pump shotgun thing. And I know that's me just nitpicking, but like that, it that just threw me off right at the end of the movie where literally it happened and I just went, okay, all right, cool, cool action mom. I got you. I see you. But, um, and then the other thing, uh, I really wanted to see them interact with some of the other communities in some way like in the very beginning we see that there's other people surviving because they light the torches at the top of the like grain silos and there's a lot of people still around in pretty close vicinity to them and like i was really expecting them to interact with them or or at least try to communicate with them when things were getting serious to try to get help even though like i would completely understand if no one did come to help but, like, besides seeing that one random dude who, like, yelled and got the monster to kill him, like, we didn't see anybody, anyone else. And I, I thought it would have been interesting to at least interact or, or have some communications with this community that's still around, around them or whatnot. Well, I had the same thought when we first left the theater. And after, actually, just short contemplation, uh, I think the reason that we don't is this. Um community involves interaction which typically involves communication which involves noise and so honestly i mean we've seen with the results of just trying to keep the young kids occupied Mm -hmm. i bet that the adults interact but it's probably just to share food or barter this barter that um i think that the idea of more people yeah it's it's a bigger risk with no real reward because it's you can't you can't live that normal life. So I think the segregation is safer, unfortunately. Right. Um, well, and plus I, one thing I called on was, you know, this family had a deaf daughter. So they had a huge advantage over almost everyone else is that they knew sign language. Like how, how do you know these other folks know sign language or have even, even, I mean, they probably do to some degree, but if they don't, if you know what I'm saying, like they knew official sign language because of their daughter. Uh, right. But these other people, I mean, if that happened and we're surviving, we're going to make up our own general way of saying stuff, but it's not going to be like what sign language is. So like that's that, that caught me being very interesting at the very beginning of, of that was one of the reasons that this family was able to survive was because right. they can communicate still and be quiet. Right, and, and I do appreciate that they used an actual deaf, act- deaf yeah. actress. She was, yeah. She apparently, was that was something that uh, John Krasinski was very adamant about having. Yeah, um, which I I think is super awesome. She was great. And, too. I mean, and I mean Fantastic. those those things I talked about, like they're not like major plot holes um, or anything. They're just some things that to me made the 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 final you know conflicts towards the end not feel as strong and concise as everything else that was shown in the movie um i mean i can like y'all said we we can come up with ways to justify it all day long like and i think all of those are valid excuses but those were things that did stick up to me i still i still really like the movie um 
and there's a lot that I loved about it, but those things, I came out of it going, it kind of lost me a little bit towards the end, um, and I would have liked it to have been as consistent all the way through, but, you know, no movie's perfect, so... Um, those those are the only negatives I thought, and uh, and one other thing that's not really it's just me because of how my mind thinks. But like, and if it was me, it'd been like a year and a half at, at the point of the main conflict because it was like four hundred and something days, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, I think I would have attempted to try something with high frequencies, and maybe it's just because of what I do for a living. And if I knew that these aliens heard with sound and they could hear, like, I mean, they knocked over the little lamp that didn't really make that much noise and one of the aliens came running. Like, at some point, I think I would have tried to take, like, a radio that I could uh, manipulate the frequencies and taken it out into a field and got really far away and tried to, like, run through different frequencies to see how it affected. Um, Oh, and also, it surprises me that they didn't have more sound traps and sound bombs to get the aliens to, like... They had the fireworks, so it surprised me that, like, towards the end, when they have to run to the truck, I was surprised that, like, they don't have more of those things where they can do something to make noise somewhere else to try to get away. In all fairness, how hard would it be, though, to silently set most of those sound bombs? It's true. But, I mean we see a lot of really clever things that he has set up and like they have this whole, I mean, community that they or like place they've built. And I understand like the main premise of this is parents doing what they can, everything in their ability to protect their kids. So they probably, you know, probably wouldn't try to do anything other than protect their kids. But for me, like the whole sound thing, when, when they, when they eventually, when we figure out sooner than they figure out that like the high frequencies, pretty much make the aliens where they can't do anything like my first thought was well yeah that makes sense that probably would have been something i would have tried like way back in the day if it's been like a year and a half like at some point i would have tried something like that to survive but then again the that's not the point of this the point of this is survival and doing everything you can to protect your kids so those are all my negatives sorry didn't mean to seem like i had a lot but oh you hate (laughs) it you drew no, um, I did. I didn't hate it. I liked it a lot. Those are just things that stuck out to me. Um, Tommy, to answer your question about what I didn't like, um, to, to premise this, let me say something I did like. I liked that this movie was an hour and 30 minutes long. Uh, yes, that be, was awesome. It was great, because I, I feel like we live in a day and age of like three-hour movies that don't need... It's very concise. It was very concise. I, I like that. It's very concise, very to the point. Um, and... Because of that, I felt like the movie worked. I don't think you could have made this a longer movie because towards the end, it felt like really like this, like that didn't solve the problem. Now we still have a more. It just felt like it just kept escalating to the point of like, I re- like, oh, oh, the sound room works. It's perfect. We've been well, working and, on this and for that years was and go- now it's flooded instantly. Yeah, that was going to be my illustration. Like the point that started bothering me in the film was the point that the sound room works perfect. He leaves and now the f- room's flooded. Now, it gave me one of my favorite moments that scared the crap out of me when the freaking monster went into the water because <laughs> I did not like that at all. 
but um, <laughs> that was... but but when I but when I saw like oh great it's flooding yeah it was just like oh it it reminds me of those days and I get it because I mean that could be real life at the same time because we all have those days where like it's just like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happens but it felt kind of like because you know someone's crafting this story intentionally it felt like okay you can't keep throwing random crap in here um like like the odds can't be that bad for this crew at this point a little forced. yeah it felt a little forced like from that point on it felt a little forced um that was probably my biggest issue is that like it towards the end it was just kind of getting like the movie in many ways is the same thing over and over and over and over again like it it is somebody accidentally makes some noise oh my gosh we have to hide and try not to get eaten um and it works, but towards the end, especially from then on, it felt kind of forced to me. That was probably my one, my one complaint I had. Um, the, the one thing that stuck out past that, I, I really liked it. Um, I don't know. I can't think of anything particular. I, 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 I could nitpick like Matt was doing a minute ago about, and not in a bad way, but, but like in, you know, they could have had more <laughs> sound bombs and stuff and, you know everything else but for me it, it really was the water part on was kind of like okay what i and the ending did feel i liked the ending because i like the shotgun thing i get it felt out of place but at the same time i felt like it was almost like all right these these things have taken so much from me it's time to get back kind of thing so like it didn't bother me as much I, I bought the the other thing that kind of bothered me was the fact that it wasn't opening open ending which i th- thought was good sadly because of the day and age we live in felt like well is are they going to make a sequel to this which i really hope they don't like like i think this movie stands really well on its own by itself i don't know if a sequel would really work um so those are th- those are my things that i don't like what about you tommy you got anything particular so <clears throat> my biggest thing and I'm going to try and keep this PG family-friendly rated. Uh, in this time, who finds the time to have Nookie yeah, that's a, dude, to have a dude, baby? You know that waterfall was romantic. <laughs> you know that. You know they'd be sneaking off to the ro- waterfall me, me so they can make as much noise as like, they want. Okay, that's got to be the only place that it's safe. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's, just, it's not a quiet activity. Yeah, me and Angela had that conversation as well as like, like it was it was irresponsible. Like like that's what it felt mm-hmm. like in Very. the world. Like for the rest of their family to put all, so much danger on their family, and and, no, and, I had, and I'm not I a parent. Like I'm not a parent. I want to premise that. And it's interesting. And I'll bring that up because I've talked to a lot of people who've seen this movie, and a lot of them are parents, and they had a little bit of different take on some stuff than I did, which I thought was interesting. But <clears throat> but that was the one thing I thought too is like this is irresponsible, and you're putting the children you already have and everything you have in extreme danger. I don't, I don't think I can watch this movie whenever I have kids. I don't think when I get to the point of having kids, I don't think this is a movie I would be able to watch again. Um, because, and and I had, I had the same thought of like, if I lived in this world, there is no way I would have another kid. And I understand you can't, that sometimes things happen and you don't plan them to happen. And you well, just kind of roll with the punches, but like, I'm sorry. In that kind of world, like, I'd be like, sorry, babe. Go out the I want to, but no. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just I don't know. But but like, you have to admit, I mean, I, I 
I'm with all you guys on this. I agree. That was part of it. That was like, this is crazy. But you have to admit at the same time, gosh, it created a lot of tension. Like, it like, sure and I think that was the, the point and the intention. And it goes back to what, yeah. what are you willing to do for your children? And Oh, absolutely. Well, and it adds to their struggle at the beginning. They lose mm-hmm. one, oh. you know, and now we're having to plus one, um, you know, equal it back out. Um, uh, honestly, other negatives for me, honestly, the only other negative I had, we've kind of touched base on, and I'll just elaborate a little bit more. Um, going back to the monster, the monster to me was actually really terrifying until we saw it in its I'd agree shape. with that. Mm-hmm. When I saw it as full shape, I thought Demogorgon, was... like Stranger Things. That's what yeah. I, I mean. I was like, seen it before. It was kind of, besides the the like way its skull opened and it kind of used the like scales as ears to kind of point towards the sound, it was kind of a cookie cutter CGI alien monster. Yeah, and I, I hate saying that because, I mean, it was still a good alien in a lot of ways, but I think that... I think they showed it in full too early also. Um, I can see that. Because it was one of those things that by the time that it shows up in full, some of my own fear and tension went out with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some, you know, there's some moments the first time when, when you're just seeing just like its crooked smile with those ginormous teeth. Mm-hmm. I was just like... Or its uh, creepy, lanky arms when it's like coming up yeah. the stairs and you just see these like long arms clawing at the like wall like those parts were really effective I mean, because we didn't fully see yeah, it. Yeah, the first time we see it in the opening scene, the whole opening scene with the little boy being taken um like it was it was quick. too quick but it felt like I mean it was it was scary because it felt like giant extremely fast spiders running through the woods that were yeah. killing it. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was no way to gather what you couldn't really make sense of what it was. It was a it was a literal blur. Um and I think we've and this is a scene that we've all touched on. I love the ending, but I really did I too hated the shotgun. Yes. Like Paul. Um <laughs> like I I loved this like this gear up for battle. To me it's like, you know, Back to the Future didn't end when they got back, it was, you know, Doc running back up to Marty. Marty, Marty, your kids. Like, there was a, a moment there that left it open for the next yeah. adventure. Mm-hmm. And they cut it like that. But uh, to me, this felt like Emily Blunt was like, all right, babe, I need one scene where I look like a yeah. total bad egg. Hey, remember remember when I was in Edge of Tomorrow and I was awesome? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to need a moment like that at some point. I, um, yeah. I wish uh, it would have ended on... Um, on uh, let me get the uh, Reagan Abbott character, which is Mil- I'm gonna uh, Melissa's character, the de- the deaf girl, the deaf daughter. I-, I wish it would have ended on her looking at her mother and just cranking that volume, that frequency volume dial. Yeah. That would have been a great shot to end all because that was that was powerful to me. It was like I'm like, yeah, we about okay, to mess these I- guys up. So the other thing, seeing it again, too, one other thing that bothers me is it's very obvious that she's never been down there. How did she know which dial to turn? There were so many things on True, that True, but it was a really big knob. <laughs> also, no, why was she not allowed down there? Well, I... 
because she doesn't know she's making yes, noise. And, and there's so much, there's so many things that and, make okay. noise. And, and you're okay. talking, that. You're talking Matt, that. about sound traps and stuff. If you looked, like, they had an entire shelf of just noise stuff. That was where the right, egg timer right, was right. and all this other stuff. And you could tell almost, like, that's kind of like their stash if they needed to make noise. Stuff they needed to keep around to make noise in case of an emergency, but they don't want the kids getting to. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can buy that. I, I just didn't know because once they went down there, I was like, I mean, there's a washing machine. Are they afraid she's going to turn the washing machine on? I don't she really could. understand. <laughs> like, it's got all the, like, notes and, like, all the information he's gathered on them. This seems like important information for them. Um, I did think, I, I, shifting into more things that we like, uh, I did think it was uh it, it was kind of annoying but at the same time very accurate because she's like becoming a teenager and her kind of like defiance yeah her defiance with her dad and their that like struggle between them um i thought was interesting I, at first i was really didn't understand why it was as bad as it was but then you know it, it gets explained and gets detailed i thought it was good although it i'm not 100 percent sure why he wouldn't let her come with them besides the fact that he needed someone there to take care of the mom who was super pregnant. But like it, 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 that seemed a little odd. Although I do really, I love the waterfall sequence, like his dad taking that time to help his son understand and learn and like kind of begin to overcome his fears and whatnot. Cause that, that was kind of the point where he start the, the son kind of starts you know, getting a better grasp because you could tell he's just at that point, he is still just completely like paralyzed by the concept and the fear of everything. And it wasn't until that time that the dad takes him to the side and gives him a chance to actually let them talk in words about it that I thought was really powerful and a, and a really good moment. Cause after that, like he's still a scared kid, but like he does a lot to, to, to help and to protect himself and to protect his his sister and family and i thought that was a really cool moment to have i think you just answered your question why he didn't let him go i mean he it was it was pretty intentional in my thought that one she was being a little defiant and and she needed to stay with her mom but two like he needed to take this time one-on-one with his son okay uh, that, that. that's that, it's a little patriot yeah it is i mean and, and i think i like that i'm i'm a sucker for fathers and sons and stories um and i i just think that that worked really well and i think that's why like he needed to take the time to teach his son and to have a conversation with just his son to let his son know that he's he can do it he's not alone and he's he's safe and he and he's gonna be have to become yeah the the protector i mean because like because, like it because or... the daughter is deaf and as smart and, and brave as she is she's at a disadvantage because she, she doesn't know if there is noise happening. She doesn't know if she's going to be making any yeah. noise. I was surprised there wasn't a point in the film where she causes something to happen where there's some kind of noise and she's just oblivious to it because we see the moment at the beginning when the the youngest son turns the thing on and they all turn around in horror and she's just looking like, what's happening? Why are y'all? And you, it like dawns on her because she can't hear it. She doesn't know it's happening. So I was surprised that there wasn't a moment where she inadvertently causes some kind of conflict. Um, I I thought they were actually going to do that in the scene where she rips the uh, cochlear implant yeah. like off of like she rips it from her side and throws it on the bed. 
I thought she was going to smash I something. Too. <laughs> I think scene. it's funny she grabbed something soft and threw it and it didn't make any noise. I just went, <laughs> But I think that also showed the cleverness of her that she she was angry and she wanted to act out, but she knows the limitations of the world. Even though that she can't hear what's going on, um, there's, there's still something inside that's like, all right, you can be pissed off. You can throw a hissy fit. But don't get everyone yeah. killed. Right, right. I agree. She's got some I of that oldest child thing in her, where it's like, all right, I gotta look out for my siblings and other folks like that too, like re- like responsible frustration, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So, what was everyone's favorite scene? I've, I've got mine. Um, I, I think. Well, let me rephrase that. Sorry, the thing that has stuck with me the most was the no. What? No, I know what you're about to say. Uh, no, was um, it was the Nell. Like, <sighs> and 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 I think that like, I think my favorite. I think to answer my favorite scene is the opening scene, the opening intro. Um, and, but and the second one is this Nell scene and, <sighs> and kind of where it shows up. And, and the reason I like both of those is for the same reason. And probably the thing I like the most about this movie is I love how intentional little things can make everything fall apart. Like I love in the very opening scene where the mom is going through the pill bottles and she's like extremely carefully moving them and checking them. And I had this moment I was thinking, oh, my goodness, something again goes back to like the rocket ship thing. Same thing, like something so simple has now become like deadly life threatening kind of thing. And the same thing for a nail. I've stepped on a nail before, guys. You you scream your bloody mind off. Like, it is not fun. And the moment that that got caught and put up, I just was, like, I felt like I lost years off my life waiting to see. And when she stepped on it, mm. oh, like, I feel like I was literally gasping like this, like, holding myself from, like, saying stuff. Uh that was mm-hmm. what has stuck with me. Like I felt like that encompassed so much that I loved about this film was just that one little tiny nail and how it unraveled everything. And I mean, that was like the tipping point. That was yeah. what leads to everything else happening. But I was the same thing. When we first got on, Drew just went, so have you ever been so stressed about a nail sticking up? And I literally said, oh my gosh, I was so distracted and stressed all through the movie until that happened like it the nail gets shown and the only time i said anything in the theater was that happened and i leaned over to landon and went that is going to stress me out the rest of the movie until it happens and it did like all i could think was like oh gosh she's about to go back down there oh this is gonna be oh it's gonna hurt me oh so I, I I don't think that was my favorite, but that one's definitely probably it's most memorable for me. Like <laughs> the that, most that, memorable, yeah. And that's what I'm gonna stick with. It. I think the opening scene was my favorite, just because I thought it did a, it just did a great job in everything it was trying to do. But the uh, the nail is what like when I think of this movie, I think like a few years down the road when I think back to this movie, that's gonna be the thing I think of. Yeah, um, I think for me too, I'm gonna say the opening sequence just because it establishes everything so well in such a creative and perfect way that like you can go in with no expectations and get an idea that there's something and then get established what that something is and like you could not see the rest of the movie and be able to just be like yeah that's 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 a thing that yeah don't want to nope that's that's bad 
I just think that was perfect. Though I do, I love the little moments like the 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 lighting the torches on the top of the grain silo just of just of saying like because like we talked about they don't interact we've explained that you know it's probably safer that way but i think it's beautiful that like we are still human we still need some kind of interaction and so there's this simple almost like a beacon of hope of like letting the people know that yeah we're still here there's still hope you're not alone that was super simple but super awesome and then the 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 waterfall scene just the moment with the sun i thought was just really well well done and i thought all those moments were great what about you tommy my favorite scene actually i think you guys said it was one of your least favorites i loved the water scene Oh, I just said uh, that the, I didn't like because room. at that point it got it felt like the same thing was happening. But gosh, when that monster goes yeah. underwater, oh, I I lost well, it. Was it. Such an, it was such an homage to Alien at that point. And if anyone has listened to more than one episode of our podcast, <laughs> you know that Alien is my favorite film. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and put this out here. Uh, a Quiet Place is in my top three of all time. Mm. Alien, A Quiet time. Place, and Apollo 13. Wow. Yeah. wow. Um, I know what Tommy's and, uh, reading. I, I do like the water scene, Tommy, <laughs> because I think it highlights something you said a minute ago about the monster. That that scene, you you could kind of tell what it was, but you couldn't. And like that made it so much more like intense and scary that it wasn't clearly this long-arm clawed thing with this head that opened up thing that was just this like lurking awkward monster that was lurking and then just disappeared which is horrifying and terrifying like it that that scene really did a great job of not giving too much away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean and then it leaves you with more questions Mm -hmm. does it have gills was it just holding its breath does it even need to breathe Mm. mentioning of that are these things aliens like do we know okay yes yeah, I think yeah, I think uh, there was a news art. One of the newspaper clippings I think mentioned something about a meteor in New Mexico or something. Yeah, yeah, that is. Uh, uh, I believe Krasinski came out and said that they rode on a meteor, which plays really heavily into the fact that these guys have armor-plated skin and cannot be killed. Yeah, just by being shot. Um, I mean, look how much damage it took to. With with the uh, intensified frequencies, just to get it to a point where they could blow its face off with a shotgun. Yeah, and right. it's interesting because like the whole shotgun thing at the end. The only thing I think about is you better have a lot of shotgun shells because because you there's not enough in that gun left to take all those things that are like that's just well, me shooting a shotgun before. Like you need to go find some more shotgun shells. Yeah, but at the same well, time, there was box. there was only three in that area that they had confirmed. So there may have been one or two more, but like of a year and a half of them being there, they've only confirmed that there's three in the area. So like, you could argue that she would that they would have been fine with a, just a shotgun and being able to basically immobilize them as soon as they got they got close. Um, yeah, just to you and know. I like to think that they built. Uh, Kind of like those vans that politicians used to drive around in with like the <laughs> megaphones, and they just they start driving around sort of like, with a shotgun and yeah, a, like 
<laughs> well, yeah, and they've got like some like happy or creepy like song that they play, and they start running towards them, and they. That's the sequel, know... Tommy. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> Like Alien, it stops after the first one. Uh, yeah, it 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 wouldn't surprise me if they tried something well, different. But like, I mean, made I'm not it different be enough. If they do, like, well, okay, so like, it wouldn't be as good. But it's not gonna tarnish the first one if they did another one of like maybe the like do something completely different where like it's you know so like jumping back to the comparison of Cloverfield, Clover, Ten Cloverfield Lane's completely different from Cloverfield. It wouldn't surprise me if they did something else from a completely different perspective, maybe like the military perspective trying to fight. And maybe the military did figure out that the frequencies, but they just found out too late and they still get overwhelmed and half the world's just, you know, cause they can't get the information out to people. Maybe that's like, it ends on this sour note of we figured it out, but we're like the only ones left. Like how, what are we going to do? Kind of thing. It wouldn't it's be America. We got tons of guns. We're good guys. What happens in a quiet place if you have to fart and you think it's a quiet one? And it's not. Tony, I would be so dead. <laughs> you know, I, I I, don't want to see a sequel, but you know what I do want to see? I want to see more movies from John Krasinski. Like, like I was, look, I was looking, preparing for this on IMB about all the things he's directed, and he's he has got three directions. He's got a brief interview with a hideous man, uh, and then a movie called The Hollers. Who, which somebody I was talking to today said is on Netflix and says is really good. He directed as well. And also, he directed some episodes of The Office while he was there. Um, and I think they were really good ones. Let me, I, I can't remember his ad. But I just, listen, I think he's brilliant. He's a great actor, obviously. But I think he's got a knack for directing because this is just brilliant. I heard somebody comparing this and him to this this new generation of film directors that we're getting because like we've had Spielberg and we've had all of these super well-known names that they're still like known as like top tier directors. But like in the last few years, we've had these younger guys that have come out and um, like Jordan Peele who did get out was a comedy. That was like the first movie that he directed. And it was one of the best movies of last year, or even like people like Edgar Wright, who's been doing a little bit longer, but he's still a younger guy making like consistently unique and great movies. I heard somebody talking about how like he, like Krasinski has become is, it's coming up and rising as one of these potential, like next generation of like Spielberg level, uh, directors that like in 10 years, they're going to be the ones that we're talking about that are like, oh, this guy's making a movie. I'm seeing it because it's a, like, you know, I'm going to go see it because it's Spielberg. Like, I'm going to go see it because it's Krasinski. Like, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's yeah. it for me after seeing this movie. Like, I'll, whatever his next movie is, I'll go see it. Even even if it's mm-hmm. outside my comfort zone like this one was. Like, I trust his eye and what he was trying to say. Uh, I just... It was a, it, it's a really great movie, guys. Like, I, I'm really glad Tommy blackmailed me into seeing it. <laughs> I wanted to see it, but I'm I'm glad that we got a chance to sit down and talk about it and do an episode on it. Yeah. Um, me too, because I feel like we do so many episodes about Marvels and things that make me look like I hate the world, and we finally get to do one that I'm just... And I, I know there's been some others I've been really excited about, but honestly... A Quiet Place to me was a summation of a perfect film of 2018. I'm calling it favorite film of the year. Cinematography was beautiful. The sound design was perfect. The acting was yeah. phenomenal. 
Um, there's just there's uh, there was nitpicky things, and look, like there were so few things wrong with this film that we all had to repeat that's the same true. thing. That's true. I, that's and true. that's the thing. I felt like we spent a lot of time talking about negatives, but like I, I we could talk for another hour about every little thing that I I really loved about this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one 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 of those things that I want to make sure we touch on that I just loved are and we've kind of mentioned it, but like the the nuances and the little details that make the world so much more developed like us mentioning um them having to play monopoly with like soft felt things or um them using sign language and stuff to be able to talk but like one of my favorite things was all i could think was when 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 the the wife was you know in danger and she's literally by herself all i could think is like how the heck is she gonna call for help and she flips the switch and all the light bulbs turn to the red lights i thought that was such a cool visual but also a brilliant and clever way that no matter where you are if you're close enough to their home you see red lights and you go oh crap danger i need to go and help and I thought that was a beautiful visual. It looked awesome, but it was also made perfect sense and fit perfectly into this world of something that they would come up with to be able to flip a switch and go, help, please help me. I can't yell for help, but please come help me because lights, red lights, danger, danger. So. Yeah, I um, I agree with that. I, I, I think, Tommy, you mentioned Marvel movies, but like any mainstream movies that we have today always have these issues of, having to explain so much stuff and doing it poorly. And I feel like some of these film movies and directors could learn a lot from the opening scene of how to communicate a ton of information without having to give a long dialogue or a, you know, I love black Panther and we talked about black Panther. I thought it was a great film, but that opening thing they did as cool as it looked CGI wise, like just took up a bunch of time to tell you the history of Wakanda that you, I mean, I don't know if that was really that beneficial. Like, they could have done something more efficient like A Quiet Place did to set up the world so much more better than they've done. And, man, that was a... <clears throat> I love how concise this film is. It's very tight, and every little thing's been thought out extremely well, and you can tell that. Mm-hmm. I agree. So do we have anything else we want to add before we kind of close out the episode? So a couple things, uh, through some quick little snippets on the all-knowing interwebs, Emily Blunt loved her shotgun cocking end scene. I believe oh that. <laughs> that just makes me that just um, makes me think even more that she like was <laughs> like, babe, come on, babe, come on, babe. Evidently, evidently it was it was John's it was John's idea, but she immediately screamed, "Yes, that's how I want it to end," and so. Um, so, you know, uh, no, nobody's perfect. <laughs> one thing I don't know if you guys saw this. I didn't see it till my second take. I loved um, almost like a hail back to what was Dunkirk, where they dropped the pamphlets that you're surrounded. The propaganda at yeah. the beginning. No, I didn't. At the beginning, that. there were pamphlets. There were little flyers that I like to imagine were airdropped. That was from the U.S. government that says, you're on your own. Stay safe. Yeah, stay well, there silent. definitely was. Ooh. There was definitely. That literally just gave me a chill th- here. There that. definitely was something pamphlet government looking that he had hung up somewhere. I saw that said exactly that, that you're on your own. Yeah, it was hung up. And then it was also there's one in his stash. Yeah, like it definitely it definitely said you're on your own. Stay safe. Stay silent. 
Yeah. Mm. And uh, the last thing I, I want to bring up is that uh, evidently a um, – I'll say an illusion. It's been alluded that a potential sequel for it could revolve around the man in the woods. Mm. Mm-hmm. That'd Which, be interesting. You know what I'd like to see a sequel of? I'd like be. to see a sequel of these monsters hitting New York City or something like that. That would be fantastic. Because it's, yeah, it's, the same, the it's the same premise, but it's completely different because, I mean, I want to see... You, cannot you be can't quiet be quiet there. there. and Or maybe we see it, you know, as the months go on, how you survive in New York or how you're trying to get out of New York with all this. Cause, and let's say New York City, yeah. too, because you there is a farming oh, of course, community yeah. I'm talking in New York. New York you see that on York another City. piece of paper. And, and that's another thing. Like, the world building in this was great without having to use words because all those papers and the whiteboard I thought was brilliant of three in the area, survive, what's the weakness, that stuff communicated so much without ever having to say a word. But there was definitely another piece of newspaper heading I saw that said New York evacuated or New York, like, closed down or something along the lines. And I remember thinking, oh, man, that's something. That's a story I'd like to hear. Like, I'd like to hear somebody who was able to get out of New York when these things hit New York. Yeah, that's I yeah. agree. That's what, kind of what I was thinking earlier. I, I went the military route, but I was thinking like they could do a sequel, but it needs to be different enough, a completely different per- circumstances that like it doesn't take away from this movie. It's not them just trying to recreate another story of a different family, but like it's a different perspective, but done completely differently. So like something like New York, yeah. where there's like zero hope of it being quiet would be really interesting. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, time right, to rate. Guys. It is yeah. time for us to rate. We like to give our ratings dope or nope, whether we loved it or whether we hated it. So, Tommy, I know you're rating, but go I, ahead and give it to me, man. Yeah, we we all know I'm giving this a big, fat, resounding double dope. Oh, yeah. Double dope. Double dope. All right, that's a dope. What about you, Drew? I'm going to go double dope, too, just because I think our skill needs more. <laughs> double dope i like it i really liked it it's a great movie go see it i'm also giving it a dope like i said i was being nitpicky um just because it 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 was still an amazing movie i love the concept i love the execution um the fact that it just kind of didn't feel as strong towards the end doesn't take me take it away from me i'd love to sit down and see it with uh, some friends who haven't seen it or it, it may become my go-to thriller movies when we're wanting to watch something like that. Like it's going to go right up there with 10 Cloverfield lane in my list of like, Oh yeah. The, you want to see something that's kind of scary and suspenseful. Let's, let's pull these out. So, um, yeah. So there we go. Three dopes. Absolutely. Go see a quiet place. If you're a little hesitant, cause you don't like scary stuff, just give it a try. You may end up loving it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth I it. agree. So, without further ado, we will close out with our favorite segment, What You Binge Watching. This is our segment where we talk about the things we've been spending our free time on, whether it's movies, books, TV shows, video games, just whatever we've been enjoying when we've got a little bit of time to relax. So, uh, Drew, why don't you go first? What You Binge Watching? Oh, man, so I've been playing Guild Wars 2, which is an MMO. Uh, I, I played it like five years ago, crazy enough. It came out in 2012, and I played it in like 2013. I've not played it in years but i was getting an itch for like a big fantasy world and uh, guild wars does a great job of letting you explore and just kind of see a giant world and i like that kind of stuff and lore and stuff so anyways it's me and my wife we've been playing that a lot 
And then uh, beyond that, we just watched The Greatest Showman the other night. About time. Yeah, and uh, man, it was great. I'm not a musical guy, but the the music was all good. Wolverine can sing. Um, Mm -hmm. It was it was great. Um, I really really enjoyed it. So it's definitely recommended if you like musicals. um, It's good, and I just I just thought it was it. It was it was really good. So that's what I've been doing fantastic movie love that musical all right tommy what about you um i have uh started reading ready player ready player one hey and um i'm still going through the sword art online progressive series Ooh, has that still been as good as it was when you started fantastic i mean honestly it's been i've really enjoyed it uh i really do kind of hope that this becomes an anime um, I think that they've done a great job to develop and envelope this world. And I think it's everything that we had hoped it initially would be. And I do like in the end of his uh, novels, he kind of um, he gives you a short afterward. And he actually talks about why the first series took the turn that it did. Because evidently, uh, if I have it, if I understand it right, he had to complete the world that we knew within eight um like eight books Ooh. essentially i can see that um so he had a very short period to close this gap hmm, hmm. hmm. okay yeah yeah I, I i i'm glad to hear that because after reading that when i first brought it up i was hoping and i'd be shocked if they don't because sword art is a very popular anime and they've been making consistent they've made movies and newer stuff with it so i wouldn't be surprised if they start doing that well the, the next movies year. are not like necessarily new content mm-hmm. um one was basically borderline hentai i mean it was just it was a 16 year old's anime dream it was all of the female uh, characters sitting around in bikinis like recanting oh, yeah. their favorite moments they did another one uh, though recently that was uh it's a new story i haven't seen it but it takes place after like the second season, um, I haven't watched it, but it, it, some new technology comes out where it's like it's like more augmented reality. So instead of them going into the VR world, they put on headsets and they interact with the real world and like augmented stuff shows Interesting. up. Um, but that that's the only... Th- I know they've done that and beyond that, I don't know if they've done anything else outside that. But it is still a popular series, so I'd be surprised if they don't make this at some point. Yeah. Um, as for me, I haven't done too much. I've still been playing some PUBG. This past weekend, they did an event where they had their new game mode called Warzone, and it was so much fun. It was kind of like Team Deathmatch, so everybody falls in this one small circle, and it's three teams of ten, and it's just chaos. You just get as many kills as you can uh, until one of the teams reach, reaches the mats, max or um, the timer runs out. So... It was really fun. I really liked it because it just gives you a chance to have constant engagements and the matches were much quicker. So it was a real nice change of pace of taking this this gameplay that I really like and this concept that I really like and throwing it a curveball and doing something completely different. Um, I don't know if it's going to become like a regular thing. Right now it's just an event thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes just a regular game mode that you can play at any point. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and outside of that, I'm still watching Gundam Wing. 
I'm about halfway through the, the show. Um, I just hit the midway point where there are the two episodes that are just the recap of what's happened so far, which those are really annoying. <laughs> I hate when animes do that. I started it and I'm like, this is like, we see one of the characters and she's just like, oh, oh, I wonder what the pilot that I'm in love with is doing right now. Let me think back to the first time we met. And it just goes back and like the first like 20 episodes, like 15 episodes are recapped. And then the next episode was literally the next 15 episodes recapped. And I was just like, all right, skipping this. Skip, 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 skip. But um, <laughs> it's, I still really like it. Wing Zero just showed up and is causing all kinds of crazy stuff and i forgot i've forgotten a lot of what happens in this series because i just remember it being like i remember like oh they have gundams and then some of them get upgrades but like one of these gundams comes up and a completely different pilot's piloting it and i completely forgot about that and so it's it's really interesting and i really like it it's definitely showing its age compared to some of the newer gundams but still still one of my favorites and still worth a see drew you need to you need to jump oh i've rewatched it it again it uh oh so good it's good yeah it is (laughs) some some of some of it is not as good the older i am that's true some of it i don't feel like like some nostalgia just needs to stay back there and be a sweet memory of when i I didn't realize there was an entire political drama under underneath it there's not nearly as much action as i remember as a kid but the the some of the some of the things i've noticed because this is a little bit of older one and i think they're better at translating now but some of the dialogue they'll say something i'm just like that's a weird thing to say like like one of the characters is talking there's like google didn't exist we'll always have they're they're talking about some battle or whatnot they're like we'll always be able to have space and i was just like that makes no sense for what you're talking about. I mean, about. space will what is happening? Space will always be there, so I guess you're right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true, but like, it's there, there's been some dialogue that I'm just like, this was not trans. This was translated word for word, and this does not translate as well. I don't <laughs> think this is the idea that they were trying to get across. But this only works on a technicality. Exactly. So that's what I've been binge watching. And that is our episode, guys. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can find us on all the social media platforms. Share with a friend. Let them know if if you've seen A Quiet Place, you know, let your friend know if they should see it because they should. Um, You can rate us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean if you're on Android. Um, You can find us on all the socials, like I said. And we also still have the link below where you can suggest ideas, topic ideas for us. Um, When we get to a week where we don't have anything going on, we might consider one of those and throw a a suggested topic. And if we do, we'll let you know. We'll we'll tell you all if that's a topic that somebody came up with. We love hearing you guys' feedback and super glad you all watch and listen to the show and enjoy it. So thanks, guys. And without further ado, we're gone. We are... The Valkyrie Casts.